broadcasting live from it's the bug this is pop culture reference your one-stop reference for all things pop culture i'm one of your hosts seamus Connolly, and i am gareth strada and today we're finally getting back to it after a long <laughs> bout of various toddler sicknesses that i have been dealing with overlapping each other well yeah you were sick then i was sick then you were sick and you just started the new job and i was out of town and it's been rough but we're back and i think we're back for regular i think we said this last week but we're back for actual regulars this time oh goodness god well i i would hope so and, and we're finally getting to the original spider-man ps4 i, I guess spider-man that we are all playing on ps5s at this point but uh it's it's all for the new release of Spider-Man 2 that you have already have your hands on. I am super jealous about, but we've got lots to talk about about the original one. But before we get into it, we do have some news coming up, starting off with the passing of film legend Richard Roundtree, who passed away at age 81 this week. Best known, of course, for his role as Shaft in the Shaft franchise. But he also was in a variety of other projects that I think that he's kind of undersung in, including the Ryan Johnson, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, neo-noir Brick, which he is the principal in, oh. and really good. I am definitely less versed in Shaft than I should be, because I've only ever seen the, the 2000 Shaft, which he is also in, but... Uh, he's also in Seven and George of the Jungle, which are two he very is opposite in George movies. Of the Jungle, yeah. I, as a child loving George of the Jungle, I would have never known that he was like the legend that he is. He also has a solid run on the first season of Heroes. So what? How do we keep coming back to Heroes, Garrett? This is insane. Because it's good and you should watch it, Shamus. I guess it's good and I should watch it. I Except should watch you should it only watch Richard season Rudge. one of Heroes yes, and then stop. That is- no joke, uh, at my new job, I got the exact same piece of advice from the guy that sits next to me, and I, I really am taking that to heart. And did he say, you'll want to keep going? You'll be like, oh, like, that sounds interesting. Almost word for word. It's crazy. I was like, you should listen to my podcast. This is wild. We're going we're gonna to come back to Richard Roundtree during our pop culture reference segment, but also having passed away, this is shocking news i think at age 54 matthew perry has passed away obviously best known for his role of chandler bing on the monolithic sitcom friends and he's also one of the best parts of that show i would say oh i would i would say certainly the best part i think he was always my favorite character joey's pretty good joey's pretty funny I, I don't know, bouncing off of Chandler Bing, I, yeah. they were the dynamic duo of the show, and, and Matthew Perry was certainly the funniest person on that show, I think, just I would agree. overall. And poor guy, like, he had, I mean, obviously he had a lot of difficulties with the addiction and other things, but also I feel like his career just never took off the way it should have, because he was in a lot of not very good movies that he was always the best part of, including... A movie that a lot of people like that I don't like, The Whole Nine Yards, where he's Hitman Bruce Willis's neighbor. Is that what that movie's about? That's what that I've never about. seen it. It's, I mean, it's supposed, you know, people like it, I don't, but people like it. He's really good in it, though. You cannot deny that he's really good. Think Rames is maybe in that movie? You're, you're making a case for this movie that you do not like. I, I don't no, know. I mean, I'm. you should watch it. If people like it, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that other people don't. And so that's worth watching. I hear Fool's Rush In is good, which is his rom-com with Salma Hayek that my dad likes and is always telling me to watch and I never <laughs> do. I will always feel like, to me, Matthew Perry is always iconic video game antagonist Benny from Fallout New Vegas. Is that true? He... he he shoots you in the face. He is the guy that says, uh, truth is, it was always rigged from the start and puts a bullet in your head right at the beginning of that game. And he is one of the most iconic characters of the entire franchise. I, I think he was always like an avid gamer and he like wanted to be in that game. And I, his voice talents were impeccable in that gem. Well, to 
other undersung Matthew Perry projects that I will plug are his great stint on the West Wing. He's so good. What? Dude, again, it always comes back to West Wing and Heroes, both of those. Well, actually, I'll plug a third one that I haven't watched. I understand that he is great on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is a short-lived Aaron Sorkin TV show that he and I think Brad Whitford were the leads on. And then I really liked, this must have been 10 years ago, there was a one-season sitcom called Go On, where he was a sportscaster, like radio personality, whose wife died and started going to group therapy. Oh my god. And it was, you know, the whole sitcom was centered around his zany group of therapy friends. And Laura Benanti was the group leader, but it was like Tyler James Williams and Bill Cobbs and John Cho and Brett Gelman. Oh. And, like, it had a really good cast, and Perry was very funny, as he usually is on it. And I'm sad that that one never got picked up, but I'm sure you can find it on Hulu or Peacock or something. Well, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think are, is going to get uh, put back in the rounds now. This was just such a sudden thing. I know that he was kind of maybe on the rebound a little more in his more recent life, but I... I, I guess i don't know this was just last night as of the day of recording pretty yeah. much so it, it, it is all still up in the air his book came out recently too, yeah right? yeah he yeah. came out like this year even maybe i think so it's like being the first beetle to die it's yeah like... that's exactly they you know they just did that friends reunion thing and like you said his book he's like sh- sh- he shed a lot of light on all of the things that people don't know about his life it's just it's it is a damn shame moving on to our regular strike updates uh since the last episode that we recorded there was a lot of dissonance between the talks going on here but sag aftra and the amptp have come back to the table and have wrapped another round of talks and they're waiting the amptp's response to the offers that have come out as of late i think at least it's some kind of movement. Uh, we were kind of stonewalled for a little bit there in our little hiatus that we had, but we're right back into it. And I know that there are things that are not going to be budged on that I think that we're, are going to prolong a lot of these talks and they're going to continue a lot of the delays and shifts around in the in the release schedules that we've been seeing at the very least. Clearly, studios do not think that the strike is going anywhere anytime soon, because Paramount has shuffled around a bunch of their films, including delaying Mission Impossible 8 a full year and allegedly dropping the Dead Reckoning Part 2 subtitle. So, retroactively, 7 will just be Dead Reckoning, which I guess is fine, but also it is very clearly a Part 1 of two parts. But then again, you know, so is the second highest grossing movie of all time, a part two of two parts that have two different titles. So I, I mean, I guess it's I guess I don't know. I was so maybe it's just because I need more Mission Impossible stuff to be coming out rapidly these days because it is such a thrill. Honestly, I hate to say I'm kind of psyched about the idea of getting another Mission Impossible title because I mean, <laughs> they really are, though. You know what? I guess you have me there. I haven't thought about that. I mean, I feel like it has to tie into the idea of dead reckoning at the very least. Dead reckoned. Deader reckoning, diehard style. <laughs> Even uh, deader reckoning. Then also Disney delayed a bunch of stuff, including the live action Snow White, which we got our first look at and looks as terrible as you would think that the first look at the live action Snow White would look. Um, Pixar's next, what was supposed to be Pixar's next film, Elio, has been delayed, although Inside Out 2 is not, so Inside Out 2 is now the next film coming out next year, and the Jonathan Majors-helmed sports drama Magazine Dreams has been removed from their release slate entirely, which I suspect they were happy to have an excuse about. I was gonna say, they were like, oh no, delays, (laughs) you know, that's, they're still, they're still working on that one a little bit. 
uh, Loki season two is supposed to be, you know, good and out. I'm hearing good things. I'm, I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing as I'm hearing less good things as the season goes, which is what I would have expected. So ah, uh, that's a shame. Is it? I mean, kind of. I don't know. I care so little about that stuff. It, it feels we'll nice to care. We'll be coming back for Loki Doki in a few weeks, maybe sometime. Are we? Do I have to rapidly catch up real quick? I, I guess that was always on the table. <laughs> But our last piece of news is, of course, because we haven't had an episode without one in so long, a Netflix nuisance. I don't know how I don't remember how long it goes on, but I it's do. It's a pretty short. It's one of our shorter <laughs> pretty, ones. Oh gosh! But you know, the nuisances will be forever, no, no matter how short our jingle is, because the basic tier of Netflix is being hiked to eleven ninety nine a month, with the premium tier going up to twenty two ninety nine a month garrett didn't we just do this am i crazy i i I, like looked back and i was like didn't we i literally (laughs) looked back in our episodes i was like no that was just another price hike that we looked at so it it just feels like it's never ending if it's not netflix it's another and if it's it's just it's all going in a circle constantly and i'm yeah i'm uh, once again it's like the disney plus model of like are you guys sure this is the right time you want to be hiking your price i mean i know the highly anticipated end of the crown is coming up as is the scott pilgrim anime so i'm sure that they think they got some gas in the chamber and and i mean it's the holiday season no yule log is better than the netflix yule log garrett you I, know that i go to youtube man the YouTube? That's, I'm, I'm a man of the people seamus i guess you can get a little christmas jazzier with it on youtube i feel like oh, no, I, I do i just take i no sound no, I'm no not. sound. Well, I, oh, no, I want the crackling fire, fire sound. No, yeah, no, okay. No, no music. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I need a little something. I need a little something in the background if I'm doing that. Well, but... I can play my own Christmas. This is a weird. <laughs> We're getting into the Christmas of it all, oh, man. It's it's almost time. I can play my own Christmas music on my speaker, and then just have the Yule going. So that way, I don't have to combat like. If I'm like, okay, I want some Bing, or if I want a little, like, poppier, if I want some Christmas rapping in there. Yeah, you, you need a little more crackle, but you want the you want the Silent Night to go a little little subtler on it. You need, you need to hear the pops of the fire sometimes. Exactly. I want, I want my own choice. You know, that's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. And Netflix is making it too expensive, so I guess maybe YouTube is the... Yeah, Netflix has nothing anymore, I guess, besides The Crown, maybe, and the, Netflix, or the, the Scott Pilgrim anime, like you were saying. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that last season of Stranger Things is going to come out someday. <laughs> Dude, I don't even remember. I think maybe season three was the last one I watched all the way, or even watched it all. I, I mean... liked the last season okay. Before we start talking about Christmas and Stranger Things again, why don't we go ahead and bop over into our main segment? Let's whip into it. For today's main segment, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation 4 exclusive, except it's not anymore because both of us (laughs) played it on the PlayStation 5, Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man. This was, I mean, the game of a generation, I think, of consoles. It was a console seller for sure. I don't know if I've ever wanted a video game console more than I wanted the two hundred dollar ps4 black friday 2018 yeah spider-man bundle that you literally could not get your hands on period i couldn't imagine trying to i i kept a cool head about spider-man when it first came out and i knew a lot of other people who flipped out and got it first and then i was like yeah i'll watch you play some spider-man and it was it it, (laughs) i was such a fool garrett it it was so like you're saying, it's it's a defining game, I feel like. It's very late in the PS4 lifespan and kind of bridged that gap of, like, like pushing everything that a PS4 could do at that point. It's the last of us of its generation. It is! Sure. It's exactly that. It, in that it also got a remaster really fast and a sequel that is just sweeping everyone off their feet. Well, outside of the cultural impact the movement of spider-man ps4 i think that it's a pretty solid game overall i do have some issues with it actually which i I have i have the added dimension of being able to compare it to two now which i didn't think (sighs) i was gonna have when we were going to record this episode two weeks ago before the you know (laughs) the end of the world like 
I think that ultimately, and this is a good and a bad thing, it's almost more of a toy than a game. Because it's like, I just want to pick it up and play with Spider-Man for a while. I mean, you're not wrong, and I feel like that's not even necessarily a bad thing to say about a game like this. It's no. movement. Going from place to place is 70% of the fun of the game, you know? Collectibles. Tr- genuinely a pleasure to go around New York and to find all the little tiny collectibles and listen to the listen to the uh, little recording about each little thing that grows the world that they kind of plop you into. They don't... They, I appreciate that they don't do a whole origin thing, even in, like, flashbacks oh, yeah. or anything, really. They're just like, you're adult Spider-Man. Don't worry about any of the regular origin Spider-Man stuff. Just Spider-Man. And that's what you do, and it's such a fun time to just Spider-Man. It is, I and mean, we'll get into spoilers a little bit. There are some, like, weird things that come out of that, I think. Some world-building decisions that we can get into later. But... Ultimately, yeah, I agree that it's very considerate of them to not make me sit through any more rehash for the millionth time of a Spider-Man origin story and who Peter Parker is and who, like, you know who Mary Jane is, you know who Harry Osborn is, and in a lot of ways, the game uses that to its advantage, which, again, we will get into in spoilers, but, I mean, the story, ultimately, it's a good story, it's a well-told story, I would say it's more competently told story than most superhero movies that are made today. Oh, yeah, today. for sure. But at the same time, I feel like ultimately it's all in service of, like you said, just whipping around New York and beating up bad guys with your with your Arkham combat that you have. Because <laughs> yeah. it really is, and it wears its, its influences on its sleeve. It really is just Arkham but Spider-Man and the great innovation is how solid the swinging is. Although I think that there could be, there comes a point where you get good enough at the swinging about two thirds of the way through the game that you're like, I wish there were more depth to this mechanic. And I, I am pleased to say that I think one, I think Miles Morales adds some welcome additions to that, which we Mm. aren't covering this episode, but is worth bringing up. And I think also Spider-Man two more fully addresses those problems, which I am happy to report. Well, I'm, I am very glad to hear that. I, I do agree with you that at a certain point I wanted like, like us, like a swinging skill tree, even like something to swing towards as it were to, to try to unlock a little bit of something or master a little bit more of a, a complicated mechanic. But I'm, I'm glad to know that they really grounded everything in just like, perfecting the swinging in the first one and they're they're adding the the extras in the new stuff i think i'm happy i'm happy to hear that where do you fall on the face situation oh yes now that (laughs) now that i have started miles morales and i get to really see the difference uh it's a little weird i will say going from regular spider-man to seeing the remastered re-edited faces it looks like they sw- like they made Miles look way older and they made Peter look way younger. I so agree. when they're like they're talking to each other in their own voices and their relationship, it feels really bizarre. I maybe I I just started Miles Morales, so maybe I just need a little bit more time to get sunk into it and just get used to it a little more. But it's kind of it's weird, man. I don't know. I think Miles looks weird in the first game, so I think that his new face... I I will works. say he looks better. He looks yeah, better. I, he looks better, Peter looks worse. I haven't really I, seen any other reoccurring characters yet, but I've it, seen It's some, mostly those two. I know there's like a be- weird and thing about Mary Jane in the new in one. In the she's new one, all she new looks design. different. But she didn't get remastered for the remaster. She's just the same. Oh, interesting. The remaster, she looks just as much like Kirsten Dunst as she does in <laughs> the original... It's a little strange. It's like a it's like a recasting situation where it's like you just kind of have to. It's fine, but it's also like this is the strangest version of that. They could have at least made it look a little closer to what everybody's used to in in the game that we're covering now. Well, it's interesting because I think that I the only version I have played more than a few hours of is the remaster. That's the like that's the one that I that's mm-hmm. the first game I played when I got my PS Five and had the time of my life, I think that 
being used to the new face, I do think it feels more natural. Like, he definitely has PS4 face in the original <laughs> <He does>. game. <laughs> yeah, he does. And, and honestly, PS4 hair. That was a big... He, his yeah, hair was whack. the eyebrows and the eyes that yeah. freak me out the most about the old model, which is the biggest difference, I think, with the new one. Obviously, I kind of resent... I feel like a big part of the reason they did it was because he looks a lot more like Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. But at the same time, I do think he looks good. Like, I do think that it would have been hard to update the PS4 face for next gen and have him look good because he kind of looks like a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he does. I, I can, I can live with that. I think I'll get used to it is really my attitude about it. It's, it's still kind of weird, but it's fine ultimately. And it's not going to really ruin my experience. He's in a mask mostly anyway. It's about the suits. I don't care really about the Peter Parker segments. It is all about the suits, except when you unlock the Raimi suit and that's the only suit you play with for the rest of the game. Dude, I... Are you, wait, did I already tell you that I did that, or are you telling me that you did oh, that? Oh, no, Because I, I very much did that. <laughs> no, that's what I do, man. Okay, sure. good, good. Because there are, there's a lot of good unlockable, collectible stuff, with great Easter eggs in the suit menu, but, ah, you're there for, you're there for the Raimi suit, I feel yeah. like, that's just, that's where my mind went immediately. You and I were not playing this game at this point, that a bunch of, gamers had tantrums online about how the Raimi suit wasn't in the game and like threatened the developers lives <laughs> was it not people are insane it was like on spider-man day 2019 or something that they released the Raimi suit but people need to chill out jesus yeah. well i think it was the fact that the amazing spider-man suit and like oh. 15 of the tom holland suits were in the game which, to be fair, I think most of the Tom Holland suits work better in the game than they do in the movies, which yeah, I think is really honestly, interesting. Well, they're all CG and weird anyway in the movies, yeah. so it definitely fits in the in the game universe. I do like playing with the homemade suit. I think that's a good suit. Uh, are we are suits spoilers? Are we getting that's, into suits? I guess that's an interesting question. I think, you know... People know what Spider-Man looks like, <laughs> would be my argument. It's not like any of these suits are like... Like, I guess a couple of them, a, a lot of them are original, but a lot of them are from comics, from movies. So we can save the rest of them for spoiler talk. Okay, okay. Which I think we're about to get into because we, we're we going to talk about characters and story and game mechanics and suits. So let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, this is the official spoiler warning for Spider-Man. I don't know where to start. I... I think people need to calm down about the non-Spider-Man missions and, like, grow up. It's fine. It's fine. You can, you can do a Mary... Like, do I think there are too many Mary Jane stealth missions? Yes. Do I think that they're, like, game-ruining like so many people do? No. They make you more invested in the side characters, which you need to do in a game whose story is kind of, you know, as paint-by-numbers as this is. And the payoff of then playing as Miles through portions of this game, I think, are really important. I can see where you're coming from with that, but me personally, I think those stealth missions are a menace! They're a criminal, Garrett! Oh, God! <laughs> Oh, I mean, they weren't that bad. I, I thought they maybe dragged on a little bit. But after a time, I realized you could pretty much just walk nonstop for most of them oh, yeah. and get them done in 25 seconds That's, flat. So I, were, I really did not care that much. If they were, like, punishingly hard, <laughs> it would be one thing. But they're so simple. You like, just You just turn on a radio and just walk around the other side of a box. Like you were saying, there are some pretty... I, I would say the Miles ones feel more important, and maybe that's just because I don't love MJ in this game as a character. Like, like she just seems a little... I don't know. I don't love MJ in this game. I think that her characterization in these games, my issues with them are less issues with the game as much as they are that they are extensions of what Mary Jane has become in the comics in the last 20 years, which is... In a misguided bout of feminist sensibility, Marvel has decided that it is not valid to be a model or an actress if you're a woman. So MJ has to be, they've turned MJ into Lois Lane. 
That's what I'm saying. They ter- they exactly turned her into Lois Lane. And I think that, at least in the game, more than she does often in the comics, she has maintained some of the, like, sweetness of the old Mary Jane, I think, which I appreciate. And maybe that's, again, because so much of the performance seems to be channeling Kristen Dunst. I feel like the situations that they're putting her in and the the attitude that she had like in this in most of the game here they mm-hmm. are broken up have have since been broken up and they have like a weird relationship but it seems to be a lot of like I need my own journalistic independence Spider-Man even though my ass is walking into the military base that is about to turn into a bloodbath if you don't save me pretty much every time I do this stuff it, well, it's and, just, it's crazy how much her stuff is, like, backdoor DLC, too, which is annoying. Yeah, like, it's, it's so like, weird. oh, the MJ mission to set up the DLC. <laughs> oh, man, when I started the DLC in the, the first episode, there's an MJ stealth mission, and I was like, there's no way that this is what is happening here. But I think that's, like, the only, maybe one of the only one of those that, that happens. But I, I thought it was uh, it was funny uh, that they were just throwing more in there. I agree that there are too many of them. It's not that I don't agree that there are too many of them. It is frustrating when you're like, I would just never be here if I were you, MJ. Why are you in Tombstone's garage? Why are <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Send Spider-Man. And I know that, well, MJ is competent and can take care of herself, which is great when she is thrust into a situation where she has to take care of herself. More like she is at the first MJ stealth mission at the art gallery. I think that is a great setup for an MJ mission. But Sure. When you make me frustrated with the character for being dumb that's when i'm like yeah this combined with the not great gameplay i understand why people find it frustrating and i think the other reason that miles missions are similar but more interesting is because he's in more immediate danger in those missions usually or at least because it's clearly like they're like he's prepping to be spider-man they're putting him in situations that spider-man would be you know yeah yeah he's fighting rhino He's he's got his tech civilians. gadgets yeah. that he that he's using to get through the the battlefield and stuff. And MJ, they obviously don't have that kind of trajectory in mind, so it just feels a little dissonant. I think Miles's personality in this is fine. I don't think he's as engaging of a character as his Spider Verse counterpart, which is to be fair, mm-hmm. maybe my favorite on screen version of Spider Man question mark. So that's you know, it's not like I'm expecting it to be as good as that movie. But I like how patient they are and that he is not Spider Man at all until the very end of this game, and then it's cool that the DLC is kind of the ramp into the Miles Morales mm-hmm. standalone game. Yeah, I I he's very giddy and and awestruck and you know very excited obviously it's it's the high school spider-man that we weren't given with adult peter parker in a way that i i very much appreciate it i am looking forward to digging more into the miles morales to get a little bit more of that independently spider-man personality that i'm sure is going to get more developed and i'm sure you have infinite knowledge of mr spider-man 2 over here but i uh i thought that his character was just just fine in this yeah like it is confidently done and explored better in other games probably is what i would say as a side character who's a backdoor setup for a spin-off and subsequent sequel you know they're doing a they're doing a fine job with him while we're on peter's friends it is insane to me how much chemistry he has with Black Cat, considering the fact that they're both <laughs> people in masks that are CGI. Yeah, I I like the Black Cat stuff a lot. I I almost wonder what that kind of game would be like if there was less of an emphasis on him being with MJ and their. I mean, she really kind of does some messed up stuff in the oh, in the city that never sleeps horrible. DLC. It's like She's really an awful messed up. Person. And, you know, she's still, like, jumping around in tight latex and with the claws and stuff and doing her fun things. But that was pretty dark. But she's also probably the best part of the DLC. So. Yeah, I 
I guess we're, we're mixing in the city that never sleeps up with everything else. Oh, probably, I guess. You think? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think so. I I enjoyed them a lot, but I feel like I don't really care that much about Silver Sable. I don't yeah. care much at all about Hammerhead Tombstone, until yeah. he turns into a Terminator gorilla guy, <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's my least favorite part. Of shit. <laughs> Why? I think it's crazy. I love it. It's it's so somehow almost the most over-the-top villain thing in this entire game, even though there's a lot of over-the-top villain stuff. That's my problem, is I'm like, it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of it. <laughs> he and Silver Sable don't fit the tone of the rest of this world, which is like semi-grounded, but still comic booky, and then he's just like crazy he's uh, he straight gets, up science fiction he gets resurrected with like a taser to the chest and uh-huh. they fit his head onto a robot body i feel like black cat does she rides that line a little bit you know she's still like doing her own thwip around town but is also then being like i am gonna lie to spider-man about being a father so that uh-huh. i can dupe him and run off and stuff it's and then her dad is there adult subplot for a game that is aimed at 14 year olds i think yeah dude it it really is and i I was thinking a lot about like there's a whole thing kind of like that in the guardians of the galaxy video game where it's like you know it there are things that make sense along the way as to why but star lord behaving in such a manner is very in line with his characterization in the films and the comics and, like, not that Peter Parker doesn't do things like that in the comics, but Peter Parker is... Spider-Man is a is is a kid's superhero through and through. Like, he is for eight-year-olds. And not that I have a problem with it, I think it's just a little bit more surprising in this kind of game. It, it is surprising. And again, it goes back to, like, we're plopped into adult Spider-Man, post-college grad, working adult adult relationship having spider-man and they only kind of sprinkle in a little bit of the details about him and black cat's past where she kind of gave up crime for a while maybe and they were like direct partners for a long time while him and mj were broken up and that's like that's like a whole different game that's like a black cat standalone game a la miles morales where you still thwip but with like ropes or whatever it's an interesting idea it doesn't take me out of that much i feel like it's less him being promiscuous and more just like yeah i guess maybe sometimes peter parker has these adult sexual relationships with other people who can kind of be on his level a little bit more with the idea of spider-man versus his whole he has to fight against spider-man when he wants to be a normal guy famously there are a lot of things in this game that feel lifted from other media and not that Black Cat always isn't like this, but I feel like especially in this one, she is so Catwoman-y in that she's in love with Spider-Man and not in love with Peter Parker. Very true. MJ, the thesis of the DLC, I think, MJ is the only partner that Peter has that allows him to be both Peter Parker and Spider-Man because she accepts even though there are some, you know, obviously there's conflict in their relationship because of it, ultimately she accepts his duty to both those identities. And Black Cat is clearly like, who cares about being Peter Parker? Just be Spider-Man. That's the better version of you. Oh my goodness gracious. I am very curious to know if she is making a return visit in two, and I cannot ask you that question. I I do like her stuff a lot, and I, I'm looking forward to the idea of her coming back and kind of maybe playing a more direct role in the main game. I feel like a lot of her... I mean, I liked her uh, stakeout locations. That's a fun little yeah. mini game, but I maybe would have liked her to intersect a little more with the main story. So I, I guess I've got to wait for a sequel. Well, why don't we get into some of the other characters that we have going on i think the aunt may in this game is really strong i think she's a good like she knows the line between spunky go-getter aunt may that we see in things like amazing spider-man and of course the tom hollands and like old lady aunt may that Mm -hmm. we get that the traditional version of aunt may you know like you see with rosemary harris and the raimis yeah i thought she was very lovely i like feast and i like her own sense of responsibility that we see, like you're saying, you know, old, old lady Aunt May usually is more of just like a 
take take this money, Peter Parker. I love you, boy. God. And there is that in this too. And of course, but then she's also like, you know, turning around, being responsible, uh, being a part of such a really sad internal conflict for Spider-Man as well. Which I mean, usually it's either she's alive or she is dead, and this is yep. like Spider-Man has to choose that for her basically, which is so. Mm-hmm. So devastating when they do that to you in the end. And it's a really strong moment that is earned. And again, like most of the twists, and I say twists lightly in this game, it's not that it's so much a surprise, is that the emotional stakes are executed well enough that I mm-hmm. don't mind that I saw it coming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, same thing with something like our our boy Dr. Otto out there, you know? That's like a tale as old as time, but I thought that his relationship with Peter and the way that they really make that such a strong point of the early game is their work together. I I really, I thought his deterioration was extra tragic, and I, I thought it was incredibly well done. And I love that, just like the twist with Aunt May, it's not that Aunt May is dying, the, like, little note on that is, of course she knows Peter Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. And with Otto, the twist is not, because they tell you from the very first shot of him in the game that he's gonna be Dr. Octopus in this game. Again, I mentioned in non-spoilers, they use your pre-knowledge of Spider-Man well in this game, I think. So the twist is not, oh, Doc Ock is bad, but the knife twist of but he does know that Peter is Spider-Man and tried to kill him anyway, is difficult. Like, that's a good beat that's told well in the third act. They sprinkle a little bit of that into when the Sinister Six, like, the big team-up moment, which is awesome, by the way. I mean, the raft, breakout, all that stuff. That's probably the high point of the game, I'd say. It's so kick-ass, and... But, you know, he gives... Knowing he is Spider-Man, he says, like... Don't get in our way, last chance. He almost gives him the out. I mean, does he know that there's no way that Spider-Man is going to stay out of their way and that it's more of, like, a show of force? Who knows? Whatever. But, like, there is still, like, a decent amount of struggle, I feel like, in that him having that information as Otto versus, like, as Dr. Octopus. It's very, it's a very interesting line they tow until there is that, you know, like you said, quote-unquote reveal. And I think Lee, similarly, like, Lee is transparently a bad guy from the moment you meet him. But they give him more depth than you think that they're going to. That they they have taken these archetypical characters and not tried to hide their role in the story from you, but instead endeavored to give extra dimension to them in a way that they are not normally portrayed. Which is, again... Part of the reason that when you return to MJ that her characterization is a little frustrating because their version of giving her extra dimension is just lifting her lowest leaniness from the comics. Which, I mean, MJ needs to have agency in this game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But she can have agency and be a model, is my argument. Yeah, if she just if she just needs to have some kind of liaison relationship with Sp- Spider-Man as she's sneaking around... She could just be at places where crimes are happening. They do that with... She could have just been visiting the art gallery uh, as an actress doing a thing for a promo... Whatever you want to say. But it's... That's not... I guess if you're trying to make this a franchise games, that is just not sustainable. You know? Yeah, that's true. And also, I guess, Spider-Man, that is a big part of that character, is the reporting side of Spider-Man. The photographer, the Daily Bugle, Mm -hmm. Jonah all of that, she's really the link back to all of that in this, other than the podcast, the the J. Jonah Jameson podcast, which is hysterical. Just the Facts, my favorite podcast. <laughs> we should get him on the show. We should get him. <laughs> Jared! <laughs> Love him, Jared. I want Jared to be a main character <laughs> on the mic in the next one. It's not that I don't understand the utility of it, but I just do think that it's extra frustrating seeing the dimension given to these other characters. Even somebody like Norman Osborn, who they start him out as villain Norman Osborn, like you think he would be, and then make him slightly sympathetic, and then they're like, no, but he, no, but actually he's a villain. No, for real, though. Like, <laughs> he really is, though. I mean, you know, we've get, we've get our little Venom tease at the very end with him in the, in... Harry and the tank and all that, which I'm sure you would love to talk to me about, but 
don't it's, know what you're talking about. I would, uh, who knows? That wasn't a that wasn't a symbiote in there. That was uh ah, you fill in the blanks. I don't know. I remember weird debates when that the game first came out. I was like, is the what is that? And it's like, guys, come on. Like, let's be real here. Let's please. I do enjoy the post credit scene. Like, I do think that's funny. Of it really does embrace the language of comic book movies of superhero movies despite being a video game <laughs> yeah definitely it's it, it knows what we want though they they do give us like three post-credit scenes ultimately because the the end of the game proper is him and mj get back together in their stanley yeah the stanley pizza place and then there's the post-credit scene with Miles telling Peter that he has powers. There's the post-credit scene with Harry and the symbiote in the tank. And then is there another... I, I, I didn't fully complete the game on our replay for this episode, so remind me if there is another I, that I'm forgetting. I think that's all of them. And then they do, at the end of the DLC, there's a post-credits of... Um, that launches, you know, into the Miles stuff. So besides oh, that, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it caps it at the symbiote for, like, the main game. Yeah, the DLC, it's crazy how, so I played, like, probably two-thirds, replayed, I've played it multiple mm-hmm. times, because I've played them both, Spider-Man and Miles Morales, um, I've only played the DLC once, so I was like, I'm gonna bop back to the DLC, and holy crap, I'd forgotten how much the difficulty is cranked on the DLC compared to, like, earlier stuff in the game oh yeah because it's all post game it's assuming that you've uh, level 50 maxed out all your stuff and you're incredibly competent with basically Mm -hmm. every gadget in your arsenal so yeah i was like whoa this is a lot (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of ones shields jetpacks uh who's coming up from the ground guys oh Oh, all right do you want to talk the jetpack guys the the big fat mob guys with the machine guns are unnecessary. Thank you. Oh, with the screwball challenge with those guys, Dude. I don't think I have ever what? raged harder at a game than I <laughs> raged at that screwball challenge. Oh my goodness, guy. Well, that, here's a different question. I don't think I asked you yet. What kind of play style were you like spamming gadgets, or were you all Batman punching people? I don't use a ton of the gadgets, but they are. I mean, there's no way to do it without using the gadgets a little bit, really. But I am much more into the combat stuff. Uh, like, get them in the air, take them out one at a time. The swing kick. Oh, yeah, I love the swing kick. I love the swing kick. As much swing kicking as possible. I will say this. I want to get back. I don't want to completely derail. But in talking about stealth, like, when you're doing things like the kingpin, the fist construction sites. Oh, yeah, sure, the bases. The stealth seems like such an afterthought in this game that they have, like, the on-rails stealth missions where it's just like, okay, like, go around the room and Mm -hmm. web guys up, and, like, the most depth to that is you can distract somebody by thwipping onto a distraction object. I think that the bare, like, the basic building blocks of the stealth are really strong and fun, and I wish that they actually let you do it because... You can clear out like ten guys in the construction sites, and then that's it. Like, and then they, they, go, they make you. It's the fight. bug, and then it's wave two, and then yeah. it's everybody knows exactly where you are. Yeah, I, I I thought that they could have expanded on that just a just a bit more, give you a little bit more to do than just uh, either web strike or uh, perch strike mm-hmm. or whatever the two things are called. Give a little variety in there, you know. And again, we're like. Remember Batman Arkham? There's so many stealth things in that game. Which I'm but... sure is why the stealth is not put any so more emphasis magnified, here. Yeah. Oh, another combat thing. Webbing the guys all the way up and then holding triangle to swing them around and knock them into the other guys. That's also one of my favorites in the combat. That, that's a great move. And I mean... See, I, I'm actually a little surprised in that's how you were doing it, because I remember your God of War stuff was very much like runics and throwing your axe and all and all oh, that stuff. Yeah, God of War, I hang back and yeah, just it's it's all throwing the axe. I'm not in there at all. Yeah, because that, that, that's surprising. I, we kind of flip flopped because I am like. I'm using one gadget per small minion. I'm just, like, letting it fly. <laughs> I I spam all four spider bots at the same time, and then I use my big spider bot at the same time, and I just let them shred all the guys. 
it's fun to do that. The oh, Web man. Blossom, which is the first one, that's the one I usually stick with because I just that's what think you it's... like 360 like spin around and web everything around you. It's really satisfying. <laughs> I for dude, I I use the Tom Holland bot like a, most of the game. I feel like that's another thing I I wanted a little more I don't know. There's so much variety in the suit powers, but I feel like yeah. they were not all very useful. I, yeah, I used a of lot like of them. The suits. There's a, technically a lot of them, <laughs> but do I, I only want to play with like four of them. That's true. Oh man, yeah, that is that's very true. I guess it, is that. I mean, can you tell me that about the sequel? Do they do they add more suit powers that are worth trying and keeping? I can't get into it. The mechanics are so <laughs> oh, like no. they have made the mechanics so much. They're not different, different, but they're deeper and they're more thought out huh. and it's a lot of the things that we are bringing up they clearly thought okay how do we address this without just bet- no without just like backtracking and like not having it in the game mm. but like making it a more satisfying ex- version of that experience and so God, that's that a, that's great. as much as i'll tell you right now okay okay oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be so curious but i gotta in stay a week, strong you'll have my copy I... after i'm Finished playing it, you're finished playing Miles Morales. So. Very true. That is, I forgot you got it physically, so that really takes a lot of my <laughs> obstacles out of the equation, doesn't it? Uh, I know I know. being sick for a week will clear out your video game money, but... Very true. Oh, man. And oh, I'm abandoning so many video games, I swore to God I would finish before the Metal Gear Collection came out. But I'm trying to think, there are definitely other things to talk about in this game i mean i i love you know in the same vein of like let's plop you down right into spider-man's life all of the villains having prior relationships with spider-man in a way that make it feel lived in you know he's talking about how electro is dumb he's he's quipping about all the the weird hallucination poison stuff with scorpion you know there it seems like even if i don't know a ton about all of these different characters i know you know mostly what the movie versions of them have showed me i'm still all the way on board and and aware of things even when it's like oh someone's wearing a mysterio costume and making a jab at spider-man that he you know had a run-in with mysterio Mm -hmm. at some point i'm like this is this is kind of the best i love the electro vulture fight where you have to figure out two different fighting styles and two different strategies and how to combine them i kind of wish there were more of that in this game to be honest because i think that's such an interesting moment i love it when games just present you like it's it's almost like a puzzle it's like it presents you this situation you have to really apply what you have learned over the rest of the game Eventually, if you're doing bad enough, it'll be like, remember to do this to fight Ultra. <laughs> right, but right. I like that it just lets you kind of be like, oh, I got to figure this out now, just like Spider-Man would. No, and I, I thought that fight was phenomenal. Such fun, swinging around, dodging two different types of ranged attacks at once and kind of somehow lining it all up. I thought it was fantastic. And then there's the Rhino-Scorpion fight, which is insanely frustrating, because you have to... Oh, you, I hate that, yeah. That one, they, it was, like, the same idea, but they did it bad that time for no reason at all. Yeah. So Tried I guess to... when I say that I wish there were more of it, I wish there were more executed well. Yes, exactly, because there's, there's, there's a couple, but... Oh, man, that is... That was a bummer, especially on, you know, like the hardcore mode for the for the new game plus or whatever. Yeah. That was That was a brutal one. Um, I will say during the DLC and during New Game Plus, I did use Spider Bot a little bit more because I was just like, I'm tired of dying to these jetpack guys. I gotta, <laughs> Dude, you know. Um, they were ridiculous. Another mission I want to shout out is not because it's like a great mission or whatever, but I really do love the Spider Maniness of hey, you got evicted, and now you have to go find the garbage truck that has all your stuff in yeah. it. Yeah, he's, he's like, calling the garbage di- dispo guy a bunch. And, uh, he's Eddie, I want to say. Maybe yeah, Eddie. I think Eddie. Yeah, I was like, I want this garbage truck guy to show back up later and be like, hey, Spider-Man, I found some of your spider stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little moment. I think that this game, again, could benefit from more interactions with regular new yorkers and and that's a moment where it shines when you do like 
you have that woman that you save towards the beginning of the game and you tell her to go to feast and then like you see her volunteering at not just yeah, at feast, yeah. but volunteering at feast over the course of the game and i think that's a great one two setup payoff and i i know that i mean it's a tactical marvel the signs of manhattan how much there is to do the fact that like it does feel populated is nice but at the same time I'm like, I would have sacrificed this map being a little bit smaller if I could go into places or interact with more people. Yeah, have a few more. There, There's uh, that one type of street crime where they're, like, robbing a convenience store and uh-huh. they do a little diorama camera angle, like, locked camera angle where you get to, like, go five feet inside of a bodega or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, why why can't he go into regular places maybe really instead of this? But... They could make the post-Platinum feel a little bit more lived in, I think, other than... Because there's, like, four types of crimes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's very true. There, It does start to... When you're, when you're trying to wrap up some crimes, and it's just crimes all in a row, yeah. it, it's definitely... Definitely hits the brakes hard, but that is also because I just couldn't help myself. I was like, I'm gonna pace myself with collectibles and stuff, so I just, like, <laughs> I'm not doing all the same stuff in a row and then i just got all the collectibles in a row because they're very fun that's a small nitpick i have is i wish that like when you find the vial of sand that has the sandman in yeah it, i wish that you could leave the menu and still hear pete talk about it i i hate when you have to sit like when you pick up a tape recorder in a game and you have to sit and hold the tape recorder to keep yeah. listening to it it's like that where i'm like okay i you know like let me continue like let me hit square to go back to gameplay, but continue listening instead of circle to just go back to gameplay, you know, or something. And if you're having a conversation with Miles or MJ on the phone or you're you're having an inner monologue thing, don't you dare get too close to a main objective mission oh. or else you are done for. You will never hear that again. No, never. I mean, at least the Jonah Jameson stuff, you can go back and you can listen to the, they have an archive oh, like in the menu. the archive? I didn't, I didn't even actually know that. That's, that's actually very useful. But there were a couple, th- I mean, granted, there are also some things in place where, you know, you'll do something, you'll get interrupted, and then he'll be like, so, Miles, you were telling me about a thing yes. a second ago, which I was like, wow, that's actually really nice. But then other times it's just it's, like dust in the wind. There's no way to get something back. It's kind of like we talked about this on the God of War episode. Yeah, sometimes yes. you get out of the boat and that's just it. Never mind. You don't get to hear it anymore. And then sometimes you get back in the boat and Mimir's like, oh, yeah, I was talking about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, I w- yeah, I agree that that could be better. Uh, the new one I have run into that problem is, well, not, again, not to talk too much about the new one, of, like, I'm on the phone with somebody, and I want to keep being on the phone with them, but I go buy a collectible. Most of the time when you go buy a collectible, it's just you get the collectible, and that's great, and you don't have to worry about it interrupting your phone call. But then sometimes, you know, you get another call, and you're like, hey, I see you found that collectible. Uh, <laughs> oh, and no. I'm like, no, I wanted to hear the other thing, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, I, we're too... We're too frantic we're picking up collectibles listening calls they really do want you to perch on a wall and listen to things for a while often i will if i'm still on the phone and i get to like sometimes the main objective's too close the next objective's too close for the length of the call and so then you're just like swinging around a city block (laughs) over and over and over again oh man yeah that is i i don't know we're just too good at swinging around we're getting places too fast garrett I never use the fast travel in this game for obvious reasons. There were very, very few times I used the fast travel. There, there was maybe once or twice where I was like, it's all literally end to end all the way across <laughs> Manhattan. I'm just going to quickly get there real quick. And, you know, you did a little trophy pop when you use the subway a couple mm-hmm. times. There's some fun little animations there that I do enjoy. Well, in the remaster, you don't get those because there's no loading screens. Oh, that's the, the curse. <laughs> the curse of solid state drives. You can't read the things on the loading screen. I also think it's interesting how much the DLC introduces like new mechanics that are just for the DLC, namely Spider-Bot. Yo, Spider- There's one mission in the main game with Spider-Bot, and oh, I was is? like, oh, yeah, there's literally one where you're walking- I think it's a- a research mission. It's like not even a main mission oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, I was- I saw that, I was like, oh, I can't wait to do these every once in a while in this game, and then never again. I was so sad. But then they bring it back in the DLC a lot more, so at least, at the very least, I was happy about that. 
I like the science labs. I think they're pretty good. I think they totally. It's a, it's a good way to remind you that like Harry's in this universe and to have Peter reflect on his relationship with Harry, even though obviously Harry isn't in the game at all. No, I thought that was super awesome. The way that he's you know he's leaving the little recordings and they seem you know pretty straight on for a while, but then you start hearing little tiny things in his voice about his trip or whatever and, and all that, and then it really does come all the way together when you find out the messed up truth about about what is actually going on with him. I'm excited for you to learn more about everything as you play Miles and eventually play Spider-Man 2. We'll come back and do both of those games on the show at some point. Uh, maybe, I mean... For sure. Miles is essential, other than the story, is mostly pretty much the same as this game. That's what I've been noticing. I mean, obviously, I didn't play the remaster of 4, so That's the upgrade true. to PS5 is definitely... I, I There's a lot of little goodies in there for me to, to figure out, but it feels, feels very DLC-adjacent. But it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think it's totally fair to, like, complete... Like, a lot of people are like, it's just DLC. And I'm like, kind no. of? But I don't know. I think it tells enough of its own story. If it were, like, just another Peter game, I'd be like, yeah, it's DLC. But it tells enough of its own story, and you explore enough of... It's almost entirely new characters, which mm -hmm. I appreciate. I think there's enough going on. There's some differences in gameplay that, again, this isn't the... You don't have to do the stupid uh, line up the lines test oh in yeah the lab. i like the electro one fine like the one where you're routing the yeah the, oh circuit. yeah the little that that little uh you know plus five minus four get the yeah. right voltage thing yeah the the lining the lines up though whatever it's you know that's not work. even really fun yeah. yeah any final thoughts on spider dude ps4 i enjoyed the hell out of it i think that is maybe the the last greatest ps4 game of them all, I am incredibly looking forward to the new one if I can avoid any more spoilers than I've already gotten. I can't believe we barely mentioned Screwball in earnest in this. Like, she is a menace. She's the real menace of New York City, and I kind of love her. And then I was like, I, was, I started loving her, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I hate her more than anything. Wait a minute. And she was so much of the DLC. I thought it was hilarious and cringy. And it's like, I, because I, they know she's <laughs> annoying, which is the great yeah. part. They know Ugh. she's going to piss you off that much. And that's why it's so funny when you're struggling to do her stupid gadget challenges. You're like, why would you give me these two <laughs> gadgets together, screwball? And then she knows. Oh, you gotta get the photo bomb. It's so ridiculous. I love it and hate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, the cringe is part of her exactly. appeal to me. It's done tongue in cheek enough that I think it works for. Yeah, for me. yeah, I, yeah. we we appreciate the humor in it, Seamus. I appreciate the humor, but it also feels like an unironic, un unironically like a boomer wrote that. It was like, no, no, this is this is right. This is totally correct. And I I guess maybe again that's why it's so fun to listen to yeah but should we go on whipping as you would say over to our pop culture reference let's do it for today's pop culture reference we're going to be talking about the cultural impact of shaft shaft was a film released in 1971 which in conjunction with the melvin van peebles film sweet sweetback's badass song was credited with creating the black exploitation genre. The National Film Registry acknowledges Shaft as, quote, the first feature film by a black director to be financed by major Hollywood studio. While the writers of Shaft, Ernest Heideman, and John D.F. Black were white, the interpretation of the character and story by director Gordon Parks and actor Richard Roundtree helped root the film in the black zeitgeist of the era. Parks was an active civil rights artist, whose acclaimed work as a photojournalist from the 40s through the 70s gave him a unique perspective on the American racial, cultural, and economic climates. Roundtree, on the other hand, is credited by cultural experts as being a turning point in the way that black men were portrayed in major films, and was the first black action hero to expand across audience demographics. Richard Roundtree played the original John Shaft in every installment of the franchise, including the short-lived television series with Samuel L. Jackson taking on the role of John Shaft II in 2000, and Jesse T. Usher being the most recent to take the name as John Shaft III in 2019. 
you and I have some competing shaft experience, Seamus, as I have seen only the original, and I believe you have only seen the Sam Jackson one. Yes, that is exactly right. I feel like I am missing out on a huge part of film history, American film history, and I know uh, Shaft is on Criterion as I mean as the important film that it is, and I, I think I would like to get my hands on that and do a little Shaft double feature with you, so we can kind of get caught up on the on the classics. Yes, because famously Shaft Two, <laughs> Shaft's big score is a supplement on the Shaft Criterion release. It's not also on the Criterion Collection. It's just on the disc. Yeah, does that mean that it's... I guess it technically means it's not in the Criterion Collection then at that point, right? It doesn't have a number. Correct. Correct. Very sad. But honestly, it's a... it. it I, um, as much preservation of this franchise as possible, I think, is important because it's so prolific it's so important in what it did to black exploitation and black cinema in general i think i think we should get educated and and, and do a little mini marathon i mean the first shaft rips pretty hard it is good and i mean we just both found out that jesse t usher was <laughs> shaft the third so i think maybe we we need to round it out there for sure but why don't we go ahead and wrap up this episode with today's saving of the rec center let's save it save the rec center now it's time to save the rec center where we bring you our weekly rec amendations <laughs> god Seamus, are you okay? Are you... <laughs> yes, I'm good. I'm sorry, that silence was so deafening, I almost lost my mind there for a second. Well, what do you have for us today? I guess you should have been saving the feast shelter today, but... <laughs> you help someone, you help everyone. You help the rec center. But what do you got, What do you got, Seamus? What do you recommend? I finally, in my feverish week of sickness... I got into a couple Halloween movies, and I revisited a childhood favorite of mine to see if it still holds up, and I swear to God to you, Garrett, Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys is incredible. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure, but it is truly the most unhinged vampire film of the 80s, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, of course, our boy Alex Winter, Bill S. Preston Esquire is up in that piece. It is completely deranged, absolutely hilarious, and it is so very little about actual vampires, I feel like, <laughs> for some reason, that it is one of the best vampire movies of my list here, I think. How did I not know that was a Schumacher? That's insane. You know what? I just discovered that when rewatching it the other day, but let me tell you, it makes a lot of sense. When you know that and you watch it, it makes a whole lot of sense, my friend. I've never seen it. I would like to see it. It seems like... I can't believe that wasn't on my Halloween list this year. Although I've been not good this year about scary stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it's the fact that the world is scary right now or I'm just not <laughs> feeling it. Like, even, like, I was watching Scream. The I've been watching Scream in, like, 25-minute chunks over the last few nights. And I'm just, like, not feeling... It's not that I'm scared. It's not that I'm disturbed. I'm just like, I don't need to watch this right now. One of the reasons why it's such a unique little... It's not a horror movie. It kind of... I guess it's kind of a horror movie, but it's so much a summertime movie. It's it's the summer on a, a California beach boardwalk town. And it's, it's you know, it feels... It's very unique in that it's it's truly like it's on the beach. They're on motorcycles and leather jackets and... And Kiefer Sutherland has a mullet and stuff, and he, it's it's just so strange and wonderful. And Corey Feldman is still young and wa watchable. I assume you have not heard, seen much about the sequel to The Lost Boys that came out like 30 years later. I had no idea that that was a thing. Is Alex Winter involved? Well, I shouldn't ask who is involved, just in case. So I will not. Don't answer that question. I, I, I won't, uh, 
it's it's rough. And there's a third <laughs> one that I've never seen that I <laughs> I don't know if I want to. But I can tell you that one very specific Goonie is in all three of them, and they do not oh, get well, better. Is what I'll say. So, I, of course, <laughs> <laughs> I've but... always. I think part of the reason I've never seen that is, you know, I am famously not a fan of the Goonies. I famously a crazy person, yes. Yeah. And I feel like part of my perception of that film is like it's the Goonies, but it's vampires, which no, I don't think is even accurate. Which it's it, not. Corey Feldman and his brother that looks nothing like him run the comic book store. He's, like, wearing, like, a Rambo bandana. He's like, if you want to learn how to live in this town, read this. And he, like, slips him a vampire comic, and he's like, we're vampire hunters. so insane. Okay, I do do need to see that. It's so good, dude. I'm telling you. But I I don't want to give too much more away about this masterpiece, just that I very much recommend it. But what do you have to save the rec center today? Well, Seamus, uh, I have recently been watching the Disney Plus documentary series Light and Magic, which is a story of the production effects house Industrial Light and Magic, which was founded for the original Star Wars and still exists to this very day. And it is just a wonderful glimpse into the mind of absolute crazy people that made all of your favorite things come to life in the 80s and 90s and 2000 every everything since 1977 that sounds genuinely delightful i think that i i would probably lose my mind watching some of how they did like the most iconic things in the entire world in my mind i think that would be just amazing you said it was a series or it's, a yeah, single it's, a, it's a short documentary series and they have gotten everybody you could imagine to talk about ILM. It is crazy. Oh my god. Well, I mean, it's the most... It's everywhere. It's literally done all the most impressive things in Hollywood effects. So I, I can imagine they've got some really, really big names in there to, to talk about it. Well, I won't go into it anymore other than say that it is well worth your time. But with that, I think it's time to wrap up the show this week. If you want to reach us on social media, that's at PCR underscore podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can reach us directly by emailing popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. For next week's episode, we're going to be no time to talk about a movie like three weeks after it came out. We will will be talking about Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon very excited to get into that with you i think it's it's actually a good thing that you got sick the second we saw that movie yeah yeah literally the day after maybe yeah i think it was literally the day after and the fact that we've had some time to reflect probably for the best because there's a lot to process in that three and a half hour tumult of a time Oh, there, there is so much that I have been, like, re-remembering, because it, it is truly a saga of a movie, and I, I cannot wait to get into it with you next week. All right, see you, everybody. Adios, Spider-Man. Oh, this is the wrong Spider-Man. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no.